0: Thank you for those readings, two great readings. Uh, if you've got your Bibles there, keep them open at, open at 1 John, because we'll be starting there and then we might flick back to Colossians. So you're welcome to flick back a little bit later as we go through. Uh, but as I said earlier, this is, uh, this is, uh, we're continuing the church series. This is our last week uh, in this series on the church. Four weeks, it's been great. Uh, and maybe, I don't know if you remember how we started Uh, But we started by talking about how our beliefs, you know, things we believe about God, uh, really determines our behaviour, or even just any kind of beliefs really determine our behaviour and how we live. Uh, And so we even saw a great quote from the Grow What You Know book we've been promoting, uh, which picks that up. Uh, So Tony Payne writes this, he says, how you walk into church will be determined by what you think church is and what you think you're doing there. And that's from his book, "There How to Walk Into Church." And my kids love the title of that book. They're like, "Dad, don't you know how to walk into church?" Because he's one foot in front of the other. He's walking. I thought you're a minister. Come on, seriously. Um, but of course, he's not talking about how you physically walk in. Uh, he's talking about the mindset, right? The attitude that you walk into church with. And what he's saying in that quote is that that is determined by your beliefs, things you think about church. Uh, what you think you're doing there when you are gathered with God's people. It will determine how you walk in. And so that's really been the goal of this series. Uh, you know, we don't want to just know more stuff about God, but we want to understand the church from the Bible. So that understanding will transform the way we think and feel and act uh, about the church. And so what have we looked at so far? Just a quick reminder, we've looked at the origin of church Uh, how it is a gathering of people, not a building, uh, and it is a gathering by God's grace uh, in anticipation uh, of that final gathering as we hear his word uh, together. We've also looked at the identity of the church, uh, how it is God's church, uh, one holy Catholic apostolic, shaped by God's character, shaped by his purposes. We've also looked at the purpose of church last week, And really the the purpose of church was interesting because it's like uh, the purpose of church is to be the church. Uh, This is it uh, and this is what it will be from from now and forever except just without sin in the future and perfected. Uh, But until that time Jesus is building his church, uh, building people in and building them up uh, in their faith. And so today what we're thinking about is how might those beliefs impact our behaviours? So today is very practical as we think about, uh, I guess, the main impact it should have upon us is that we ought to love the church. That's what we're talking about today, talking about loving the church. And I'm talking about love in two ways, the way that we feel uh, and the way that we act. So it's both that, you know, the affectionate feeling of love toward the people of God uh, but also how that love is then expressed in your actions and the things that you do. So love in those two ways. And, and I think uh, one of the things we face uh, when it comes to loving the church uh, is something I've heard over the years. I don't know if you've heard this, but I've heard people say something like, uh, yeah, yes, you have to love the church, that is obvious, uh, but you don't have to like the church. Has anyone ever heard that kind of thinking? <laughs> uh, it, it worries me a bit, because I think in other words they're saying, you know, you can kind of... Dislike the people, but still obey God's command to love them. Uh, or you can, you know, you can still show love in the things you do, but not feel love for people. And that kind of worries me. I'm troubled by that. Uh, it feels a little bit empty, hollow. Uh, it feels a little bit hypocritical. Uh, just that, not genuine. And I wonder, is that the kind of love that God calls us to as His church? You know, just to share a building and be nice to each other. You know, just to kind of put up with one another until Jesus comes back. Right? It's very easy, I think, just to settle for a level of love for the church and for God's people and things you do. Just to settle in a place that's comfortable for you. Uh, I think that's very easy to do. We all kind of do that in our own ways. I just want to challenge us to think about, is that the kind of love that God calls us to? Because what I see in the Word is God calls us to a, a rich and and deep and affectionate love for him and all his people. And so the question for us today is, as we think about this is, do you love the church? Uh, how do you feel about the people that you gather with each week? Right, and how are you expressing that love for them? In what ways are you doing that? In what ways might you do that in the future? So some things to think about. We'll come back to those a bit later. Uh, but I think just through this introduction... Uh, We can say we all have work to do in this area, uh, all of us, and we will until Jesus returns. Uh, But God gives us everything we need to do it and to grow in love for one another. So today what we're going to look at as we go through is uh, why we love the church, uh, how do we love the church, and then just reflect upon how might we grow in love for the church. So if you've got one John there, have it open. Uh, We'll start there. Uh, in why do we love the church. Now, this is maybe one of the greatest passages of love in the church, love for one another in the Bible, uh, because here John not only tells them that command to love one another, he also gives them the reason why uh, a few times over, but we see it pretty clearly in 1 John 4, 7. Uh, you can see here he says, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. So here you've got the command to love one another, We've also got the reason, uh, for love comes from God. So what does that mean? It means, you know, love is the fruit of relationship with God. We will love one another in relationship with God. It comes from God. And so he goes on to talk about a bit more about this. He says, uh, everyone who loves God has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. So you can see there are two kinds of people, right? those who know God, those who don't know God and the difference between them uh, is seen in their actions in the way that they love. Right? People who don't know God, they don't love the church. Right? And it's not that these people don't know things about God, it's that they don't know God in relationship with him. Right? They're not connected to God in, in that loving, uh, saving way. And so they're not connected to the source of love. And so they do not love the church. But then on the other hand, we have people who do know God. right? And these people love the church. And we can see there, why is that? It's because they've been born of God. Right? They have this connection with God, a new living relationship with him. Like, I found it helpful to think about it like a hose with a tap. Okay, When the hose is connected to the tap, uh, water can flow through it and, and out that hose and people born of God are kind of like that hose they are connected to God a God who is love uh, from whom comes love and so through them will flow God's love right God's love flows through the life of those who are born of him because love comes from God because God is love and so people born of God have these new hearts that want to love the way that God loves so those who know God will love like God. Now, you're probably thinking, you know, think about the hose. Sometimes there's a few kinks in the hose, isn't there? You know, there's a bit of restriction to the flow, a few blockages. Uh, that, that happens. Uh, and that happens due to our sinfulness as we live with indwelling sin in our lives. Uh, we are still people who are uh, overcoming the selfishness that we lived with before we knew God. And so that's going to maybe sometimes cause the love to be restricted It might be a trickle sometimes. But I think the thing to remember is that love will be inevitable for the people of God because they have been born of God uh, and love is flowing through them. God's love is flowing through them. So it is inevitable that God's people will love one another because they are connected to a God of love. And now we're talking about love here, but it's good to sort of narrow in and say, well, what is the love we're talking about? Uh, what does it look like? And so John tells us in verse 9 as he goes on, uh, John says, This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only Son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. And so you can see they're pretty, pretty straightforward. This is love. God sent his one and only son to die for our sins. This is how God shows his love for us. And it is not because we loved God and we deserved it. Right? He loved us when we were his enemies and we deserved death. And who did he send to save us? You know, not the assistant to the manager, you know, or someone like that. He sent the one who was most precious to him above all, his one and only son the Lord Jesus Christ, Uh, God gave what was most precious to him in all the universe for us so we might have the greatest thing he could give us in all the universe, life through him. Uh, That is the love that we see uh, from God to us. And then John talks about the effect that knowing God's love should have upon us who have been loved by him. So verse 11, he goes on, he says, dear friends... Since God so loved us, we, all, we also ought to love one another. And so that's it, you know. Knowing the way that God has loved us ought to lead us to love one another. It, it should lead us to want to be like God, uh, to love like God, to love what God loves. Because uh, God is love. His love flows through us. Right, and so, you know, why do we love one another? It's because God loves us uh, and those who love God will love one another. That's why we do it as the church. And then if you're someone who who does love, you're like, yes, I I do love God. I do love God's people. Uh, You might be sort of thinking, well, then how do I show that love? That's the next thing. Uh, How do we love the church? Uh, Well, the Apostle Paul is a great example for us. Uh, I'm always challenged if you're challenged by the way that Paul loves the church. I'm always challenged by his love. You know, this is the Apostle Paul who started out persecuting the church, wanting them put in prison, Uh, then he met Jesus. And the rest of his life was spent loving and serving the church, uh, even suffering for that. And so we see Paul's love uh, in in all these letters that he writes. And one example is from Colossians today. We see it pretty clearly. Have a look with me, Colossians 1. Uh, Verse 24, Paul says there, Now I rejoice in what I am suffering for you and I fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in regard to Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, which is the church. You see there, Paul's love for the church meant that he would suffer for the church. And Paul suffered a lot. He was in prison frequently, Uh, not a nice place to be. Uh, he was also beaten and flogged pretty regularly, it seems, throughout his life. But you can see there, what does he think about the sufferings? He rejoices in suffering. And he's not rejoicing like, in the suffering itself because he loved being beaten and put in prison. No, he's rejoicing in what it, it, it accomplishes. You can see there, he's suffering for the church, right, for the sake of building up the church. That is what uh, he is He's doing. And and we can say, why did Paul suffer so much? It's because he kept preaching the gospel. And so he goes on in 125 uh, to say that. He says, I have become its servant, the church, um, by the commission God gave me to present you the word of God in its fullness. So Paul suffered for preaching the word of God, and he gladly suffered because he knew what it was achieving. It was building up the church. And we, we get this great verse in Colossians 1, 29, where uh, Paul talks about why he keeps on preaching uh, and what he's hoping to, to get from it all. So he says this. He says, he, talking about Jesus, he is the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. To this end, I strenuously contend with all the energy Christ so powerfully works in me. So we can see there, the way Paul loved the church was by preaching the gospel. And he talks about it uh, pretty clearly there, saying it's it's admonishing and teaching the gospel. And then Paul says, this is not just what I do, uh, this is what you can do too, to love the church. And so he says to the people a little bit later on in Colossians, he says to them, he says, let the message of Christ dwell among you, the church, richly, as you teach and admonish one another. So the way Paul loves the church is the way the church can love the church as well, by teaching and admonishing. And, and this is a great pair of words as we think about how to love one another, um, because they kind of go together. Like teaching is, is teaching the truth of the gospel to one another. We we love one another by teaching, but also by admonishing. And that means that we not only teach the gospel, but we also admonish one another to do the things the gospel tells us to do. I I thought of it like, uh, every time I think of an example, it's a footy example. I'm sorry about that, if you don't like footy. Um, But it's kind of like a a footy team might do their video session where they sit in the room and watch the video and they kind of learn how to play the game. That's the teaching. But then they they leave the room and go out into the field and, and they want to do the things they've said they're going to do in the video session. And they do that together. They admonish one another. They talk about we're going to to play this play and you do this and I do that and and they work together to do the things they plan to do or they've been taught to do. And that's what we do as the church. We we teach the gospel and we admonish one another to do the things uh, the gospel says, to obey it. And so the gospel, of course, it it can be taught. It has content to teach. Uh, We we teach that um, at Christian Explored in its kind of simplest form. Uh, We talk about who is Jesus uh, why did he come? What did his death accomplish? Right, how do we apply that to our lives? Right, we teach the gospel there and we teach the gospel to one another. And not something we do once and then move on. Right, we keep on teaching one another. And if, if you've been a Christian for you know, any substantial amount of time, uh, you will know this is what happens. Uh, you are continuing to learn as we are being taught the gospel. Right, we do that here in church, You know, week by week, passage by passage, book by book. We do it in here. We also do it when we're gathered afterwards, morning tea or supper. Uh, we, we speak to one another, conversation by conversation, we are teaching each other. We also do it during the week in our growth groups, we get together, we read the Word of God uh, and we are teaching one another the Gospel. And you'll find that over time, you know, little by little, piece by piece, the picture comes together and, and you've grown so much in your knowledge of God through the Lord Jesus. And so I think it's, it's good just to pause for a moment, just be thankful for the people that have done that over the course of your life. I think back, you know, to when I became a Christian around 16 or so and just the stream of people who have taught me the gospel over the course of my life. Uh, I'm so thankful for that. Uh, and, and we do that for one another as a way of loving each other. We teach one another the gospel. But we also, as well as teaching, we we want to admonish one another. And that can sound like a pretty harsh word to most people. It can sound a little bit mean, that word, Uh, like you're telling someone what to do. Uh, It's not something our culture values. We just want to, you know, let people be themselves. You know, so we want to let people, you know, you do you. You be true to yourself and choose your own path and and our culture kind of thinks that's love. That's how you love someone. Let them do what they want to do. I don't think that's loving. I think a good example is is if you're going on a hike or something. Is it loving to let people just find their own path through the bush? To say you go and you just find your way through the bush. That's a good way to get into trouble. What is loving is to say, here's a map, here's the path, here's the dangers. And if you see someone walking into danger, say, hey, come back to the path. That, that's a way to love people. And so admonishing is, is like that. It's, it's instructing, it is warning, it's correcting one another. And we do it so we might stay on the path of gospel obedience until we reach our home. All right, so we do this admonishing, think about it as like walking beside one another, uh, encouraging one another to stay on this path. You know, talk about where we're going together. Let's, let's keep going. Someone strays off that path, the loving thing is to bring them back. Right, that, is, that is the way to admonish. We teach the gospel to love one another and then we admonish one another to, to do it and to stick to it together. All right, so we love the church because God loved us. The way that we love is by teaching the gospel Uh, and and admonishing, encouraging one another to obey it. Uh, That is the way we love. That is how we let the word of Christ dwell among us richly as his people and love one another. So finally then, how do we grow in love for the church? So now's a good time just to think about it. You might want to think about it later. Uh, Do you love the church? In the first place, how do you feel about the church? Do you, do you have an affection for the people that you, you gather with on Sundays? Um, you know, do you feel a love for the church? It's a good question. Uh, if you do, excellent. Right? If that hose is on full ball, no kinks, just going great, praise God. That's wonderful. Uh, if you don't, if you feel like oh, there's a few, few blockages here, um, you know, uh, what, what do I do? Well, I'm someone who actually had a lot of room for growth in this area over the course of my you know, life as a Christian. Heaps of room for growth. And I found three things really helped me to grow in love for the church. Uh, I'll give them to you briefly. Uh, the first one is to pray. Duh, Dave, we know that. Um, but it's so true. Uh, praying is the first thing you want to be doing. And, and the first prayer to pray is pray that God would change your heart. Pray that God would give you that love for his people uh, that he wants you to have. Uh, God loves to answer that prayer. Uh, He loves to be the reason that that you love. So you give him the glory for it. So pray to God that you would have love for him and for his people. Uh, The second prayer to pray is to pray for the church. Pray generally for the church, you know, overall, but also pray specifically for the people that you're with. I know some people like to get the directory. I don't know if that still happens, but you get the directory and you pray through the people in your church and you pray for them by name. Uh, that is a great way to, to grow in love for the church. Because as you're doing that, as, you, as you're praying for the church, actually, you'll actually be lining up your heart uh, with God's heart for his people. And so you grow in love for them that way. And the third thing to do is meditate on the love of God for us in Christ. As you read about it in your Bibles, uh, keep thinking about how much God loves the church. Remember how Jesus poured out his blood to gather these people for himself, to purchase them, because they are his. How could you not love these people that Jesus has died for, that Jesus loves? Think about that. That will grow your love for the church. And then, look, if you are someone who, who loves the church, wants to love the church, uh, and you're thinking, well, how can I show that? How can I express my love for these people? i was going to finish now with just a few ways to be thinking about that. And these might be things we've spoken about before, but just to reinforce. Uh, the first way to love the church is to come to church. Pretty obvious as well. Uh, but think about this. You cannot love the people of the church if you're not here. And you cannot be loved by people in the church if you are not here. Uh, so the first thing you must do is, is to come. And, and you might not realise just how much, just your presence at church is an encouragement to others and a way to love them. Uh, you know, All I have to do is see someone's face at church and I'm encouraged. Before they've said a word to me, uh, I'm encouraged by that. And so some weeks you might be sort of you know not feeling church, a bit tired, whatever. Just think... If all you can do is come, if all you can do is turn up and just be here, that is a way to love the church. Right. So the first thing you can do is come. Uh, The second thing you can do is come with a one another attitude. So come thinking about other people when you come to church. And by that I mean, like we don't go to church like we might go to the plaza. You know, we go to the plaza as consumers, uh, thinking about uh, what what can I get. But when we come to church, we want to come with a one another attitude that thinks more so about, what can I give to these people? How can I love and build others up in relationship with God? Right, so um, as you're coming to church, um, you might think, um, you could come to church thinking about, you know, where, where might I sit? Right, praying about where to sit, as Tony Payne suggests in his book, Uh, That's a great thing to get you thinking about others and God as you come to church. Uh, You can also love others at church by being engaged in the service and the things we do here. And we've spoken about this a little bit already. Uh, We're going to talk about singing today a bit later. Uh, You can love others in the way you sing. You can encourage others in that. Even if your singing is not perfect, even if you don't like the song that much, you can still encourage others with singing. And look, you know, we'd all love, you know, Adele to come to church and sit behind us, you know, just a beautiful voice singing. Uh, That's not always going to be the case, okay? Probably not ever in this place. Uh, But, you know, don't let that distract you. Uh, Just sing with a full heart and a full voice. I'm I'm taking Chris's thunder. We're going to talk about that later. But uh, let's keep going. Also praying, right? Pray along with the prayers, like we said last week. Join in the amen. That is a way to encourage uh, one another Uh, and to do church well together, to love people. Uh, Also, you know, opening your Bibles is really great. Um, You know, reading it, taking notes, that encourages other people around you when they see you doing that. Uh, Another way to love the church uh, when we're together uh, is to, uh, this is going to sound, you know, a bit sort of self-centred, listen to the preacher. Uh, Is that okay? Um, You know what? It, It helps so much when people are smiling or nodding or just paying attention or taking notes I can see so encouraging to the preacher when that is happening and you know because you know I'm speaking to everyone you could think about it as if I encourage Dave I'm actually encouraging everyone because it's going to help him uh, to preach uh, with with all he's got so there's, there's lots of ways to love as we are gathered together in here but then of course it doesn't end in here our church continues over morning tea, so we head outside and it's a great opportunity to love people in your conversation. This is probably the main way and the main space where you can love people with that teaching and admonishing uh, of, of the gospel. And so, you know, when we have conversations, it's fine to talk about the footy, you know, I love doing that, guilty. Uh, it's fine to talk about the weather, Jesus cold today, you know, all that kind of stuff, that's fine. That's a normal conversation to have with someone. And for some people, that'll be a good conversation to have. If you just met them, that might be a good way to talk about interests. Uh, But for most of us uh, who know each other, uh, if we want to love one another, we want to go below the surface of interests and go a little bit deeper uh, into the area of values and beliefs to encourage people. Because remember, this is not just some ordinary gathering. Um, This is God's gathering. Christ dwells among us by the Spirit, uh, by His Word and Spirit, and so we love one another. Remember by speaking the Word of Christ to one another, and so we can do that in our conversations uh, after church. Uh, Some questions you might want to put in your arsenal is, you know, what did you think about the sermon? Right? Don't talk about the preacher, you know, his clothes or his mannerisms or whatever. Talk about the Word. What did you think about the things that were said? What did you think about the Bible? Um, You might even, that's sometimes hard for people, so you could come to them with something you thought was good. I thought this was, you know, very encouraging. What did you think about that? And if it's not that, it could be something else like, what have you been reading in the Bible this week? You know, share what you've been reading. Hey, have you read that Grow What You Know book? What do you think about that? There's lots of ways just to dip below the surface and love people in the conversations that we have with one another. And that's something we can all do. And then finally, uh, as as we come to the end of this series and the end of this sermon, I think the thing we want to keep doing as we leave behind the series uh, is we want to continue to preach the joy of gathering to ourselves. Uh, We really want to remember these things that we've learned about the church. As you read in the scriptures, keep reminding yourself of these beliefs because that's going to shape your behaviours when it comes to church. So preach that great joy of being gathered Uh, with all of God's people. Keep remembering how Jesus gave his life for us to purchase a people for himself and his love for us. Uh, Keep remembering how God gives us one another uh, to love and encourage us together as we head toward that final goal. Keep preaching those things to yourself over and over and over again until it sinks really deep into your heart. And it begins to affect the way that you behave and interact with church and the way you feel about the people at church. Keep preaching it to yourself. And don't give up doing that. Keep doing it until we reach the end. Never forget where we are heading together as a church in that final gathering with all of God's people, with God as our God, in the new heavens and new earth. Let's encourage one another with these words. Now I'm going to pray, and I'm going to pray a prayer from Colossians, Paul's prayer for the church, uh, just as an example of something and ways we can pray for one another. So would you join me as I pray uh, this prayer adapted from Paul? Heavenly Father, uh, we ask that you would fill us with the knowledge of your will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so we might walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to you bearing fruit in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. May you strengthen us with all power, according to your glorious might, for all endurance and patience with joy, always giving thanks to you, who has qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. And we thank you for delivering us from the domain of darkness and transferring us into the kingdom of your beloved Son, our Saviour Jesus Christ in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, we're going to continue praying now, and Tiffany's going to lead us.